And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics. www.guruenergy.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command. to heap the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Gluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck here with Zach Bartles. And when I say here with, I mean actually here with. We're on the settee uh, in Michigan. I am up for a visit. Uh, our thighs are touching. And uh, and we've just shared another purportedly lavish Gut Check meal. And uh, I say purportedly because, Zach, we visited a, uh, what I would call a, a higher-end restaurant here in the area. And uh, it's the kind of restaurant where you have to pay for parking in their lot, even though there's like, you know, 400 spaces available, and and you know, which is high end. That's what that's. Yeah, it's it's, it's very high end, and then uh, also the kind of place where, well, I don't know, I won't get into all of it, but um, the kind of the place where one of our kids spills a huge drink all over another one of our kids. Yeah. Uh, thus, kind of. Sucking, the, leeching all the the kind of baller vibe. Yeah, the high end like celebratory gut check meal vibe that we usually have. Now we usually take uh, out of the company coffers uh, some money, and it's been our uh, our custom to get these uh, these high end meals together like gentlemen, uh, so that we can talk business. But uh, on this day, it just so happened that uh, both of our wives um, preferred it that we watch the kids, and <laughs> uh, and so there we were. Uh, in a high-end restaurant, kind of spilling pop all over one another and, and having it not be what we hoped. But uh, I had the idea yeah. that we'd let them have a table, mm-hmm. and then maybe two tables away we would have a table. I like that idea. And kind of yeah. your 13-year-old would like default babysit. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he would sort of de facto babysit. But then there was this kind of alcove mm-hmm. that was uh, that you looked at and said, that's kind of legit. It's it's the private room fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a gangster. TV with a yeah. game going. Yeah. I thought the kids would watch the game. They didn't. Um, they, they watched themselves spill pop all over each other. They watched themselves spill pop all over one another. Yeah, yeah, that was the dynamic of the group. But you time. know what? Now we're in the sunroom on the settee. Oh, dude, all is right with the world. And we've got a and we've got a whopping like forty minutes to just yeah, yeah. Before we each have to race off to the next thing. And here I have, and it's my fifteen-year wedding anniversary. Thank you for your congratulations, Gut Check Army. Yeah, absolutely. I expect gift baskets? No, I don't. <laughs> Now we were going to talk about a new book we have out and a new kind of uh, promotion. Promotion, yeah. That yeah. we we did dream up in between, kind of the spilling of drinks and the sopping up of soda, and the eating of very mediocre entrees. Yeah. You know what? If, after an amazing appetizer. If I go to a place that that tells me it's a high end uh, Irish pub Irish eatery pub type eatery. thing, yeah, and it's not a chain restaurant and it's well known, and I order the Dublin Club. Yeah. I expect it to taste like more than bread and lunch meat. Like there should yeah. be something else. Horseradish, yeah. something in Dude, there. Yeah, a little a little something unique, right? On the on the palate. But uh like the culinary equivalent of like the like music, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's the Irish just music like, that's all the rage right now. It was just the drone of like the the bagpipe, just the Yeah, that yeah, was my kind sandwich. of the dirge. It was like yeah. an Irish an Irish wake, if you will. <laughs> Actually Irish wakes are Yeah, are they're great. fun, aren't they? They're yeah. parties. I've never been to one, but yeah. I've heard yeah. about it. Now, vis-a-vis what you, what you just mentioned about the music, has the banjo jumped the shark yet? Or is that still a hipster thing where they're, they're, there's the banjo and all the music? I hope it never jumps the shark. To kind okay. of like, like David Crowder, uh, or, or, or yeah, David Carter via uh, Mumford & Sons right, meets, right. like, like that, that picky banjo just under the surface. Yeah. I, I confess to 
Yeah. Really enjoying that. I was told, though, by uh, my apparently super hip co-host on, uh, on the other program that, like, admitting to liking Mumford & Sons right now is, is akin to liking sort of, um, I don't know, the, the New Kids on the Block or the Backstreet Boys when we were in high school. You know what I mean? Really? Well, yeah. I don't remember the Backstreet Boys ever having a music video where they were all in, like, extra white whiteface yeah. and playing around on a very large piano. So, <laughs> I don't know. And and they, and they were the worst for it, you know? <laughs> well, baby, you were about to talk about uh, our new promotion and our new book, which is now live on Amazon. You can search for The Gut Check Guide to Publishing, and, uh, and you'll want to buy one of those, and you'll want to leave uh, a fawning five-star review about it either there... Or you can leave a fawning five-star review of this podcast. Or and you can tweet about it. Or you can tweet about it. And Zach, what are we going to do with all that new material? So you gotta you got to do these things and then tell us you did them because well, we're not really omniscient. Mm-hmm. So you shoot us a little a little note at either info at uh, gutcheckpress.com. Gut That'll be the one. Yeah. And, uh, excuse me. Uh. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I, I masked it with the smoke. Yes, you did. I saw that. That was very savvy. So... Sad V. Sad V. So now that I'm done being disgusting. Um, oh, yeah. So so you send us a, a little email at info at gutcheckpress.com. Say, I left you a five-star review of the podcast or a five-star review of the book, assuming, of course, yeah. that you've read it. Right. We don't. I mean, it doesn't have to be a five-star review to enter. It could be a one-star review to enter in this contest. But here's the what's special about this contest compared to most of these contests. <laughs> here's the thing. If it is a one-star review... You won't win. Right, because we'll we're going you. to judge yeah. either... The, it's going to be about the craft. Yeah, what it's going it to be the craft of writing the fawning five-star review, either for the podcast or the book. Um, so we're going we're gonna to gather all these reviews, Zach. We're going to read them. We're going to have a high-level meeting as a company, as executives, as and, we do. And the beautiful baby tweets, as well as the reviews. And the beautiful baby tweets. And what we're going to do is pick our favorite three. Uh, our favorite three reviews or tweets to read on the air. Uh, we're going to read them on the air, and then we're going to send you some free stuff. And so I, if your thing gets selected, uh, you will get one of uh, one of Gut Check's finest books signed uh, by the two of us and mailed to your doorstep. Which you'll you'll get it a little later when we're together to sign it again. Right. Um, yeah. Or or I'll sign it and send it to you, and you'll sign it and send and that one. That <laughs> That's take, efficient. That would yeah. take longer. That would take longer and cost like twenty dollars at the end of the day. <laughs> so, but you know what? I think we should spread it out a little more. Uh-huh. Three the, the three winners who get the guide to publishing, mm-hmm. which is you know heretofore unknown yeah. and is our best book to date. Absolutely, it's it's the funniest, it's the mm-hmm. most informative, it's the best kind of like look behind the curtain. Yeah, uh, and and it's got some which is high praise given that we just wrote the great American novel together uh, not too yeah. long ago. The the great one world government novel, That's American right. novel. Yeah. Um, right. So, but but three will get that, and then a couple runners up uh, will get some other gut check books, also signed, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's an extravaganza. I'm gonna go into the vault. You know, we have gotten so much uh, stuff from you, the listeners, and we love it. Um, we thought it was time to give back. And by know, give and back, we mean get you to give us more in the form <laughs> of five star reviews, in the form of fawning praise, and tweets with your words. And your tweets have to be about the gut check guide to publishing and point people to the page where they can buy it. That's it. Yeah, um, that's it. I, I realize it seems like we're tweaking the rules as we go here because we are. <laughs> Don't and, think that we are. Don't think that we haven't had like lots of thought and meetings. And there was a whiteboard full of notes. There was a whiteboard. There was a guy with a with a marker going like pointing with a marker and going yes that <laughs> more yeah let's flesh that it. out suss yeah. it suss it out lean into that you know what this is how this is how the sausage is made if you will 
and, wow. and so yeah, you you do those things, and we will. You know what? We I'm also gonna I'm gonna up it more because wow. I'm willing to do this, man. Okay. I'm willing to. We haven't talked about this as a company. This is but, new. Uh, this is new. So I'm I'm bringing it to committee right now. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna print out however many sets of magnets I can from one of those <laughs> packs of magnet paper. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna cut them. You gotta cut them. That's okay. the hard work. But I'm gonna mail out. You, so you magnets. need to say you're you're gonna you're gonna hit print. On I'm gonna the hit magnets. print, but I'm gonna buy okay. the magnet yeah. paper too. Okay. And then I'm gonna <laughs> drop in the mail. And maybe with some gut check stickers or something. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and, and, you know, this is going to be a contest that runs as long as it takes to get a not sad number of people. Now, these to magnets. Do these, these, <laughs> these magnets are a foray into uh, some new ground that we're going to break as a company, Zach, meaning uh, we're doing some different things other than just books, which we, we, we love doing books. We will always do books. But um, I floated an idea by our wives the other night at dinner. Oh. Oh, I was uh, I was not thrilled with the response. I'm not gonna lie. The response was. I just feel like I can be authentic chilly. with you here, you know. Yeah. On the set to you because this is a safe place. It was non fawning response. It, which is which is the worst kind of response yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. I mean, if I get a fawning or, or non fawning, it falls was, into the oh, non fawning yeah. category. Yeah, that's yeah, no good. I'm never gonna like that. So that was in my wedding vows, actually. <laughs> that's <laughs> to, right. To love and fawn, fawn. and cherish. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> In sickness and health, and richer for poor, or whatever. Blah, with blah, blah. magnets, or with magnets, or without magnets. Yeah, with magnets, or, or with... what? The idea that I that I floated by our ladies was um, Zach. This year, this Christmas, I feel like uh, for white girls, the, <laughs> white girls everywhere. For white girls everywhere, and by girls, I mean anyone from ages like sixteen to forty-five. Yeah, they all got. For Christmas, one of these sort of adult coloring books, and we don't mean like right, of course, rated X. Yeah, what we mean books. are like you get one that says like Art Deco, and it's got like all the designs on it, and then you buy your lady like a little package of uh, of colored pencils. I, I I would like to hear yeah. before after you after you um, suss this out. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want you to tell us a little bit about the the colored pencils that your lady got. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mistakenly. Uh, but so anyway, I floated the idea by our ladies, figuring they would love it. What if we did a gut check adult coloring book wherein all these kind of key moments in our history uh, together, our history as a company, are there on the page for people to color and remember? Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought it was a wonderful idea. I thought it was inspired. You could color book covers. You could color pictures of us at like... You know, book signings and uh, different different yeah. uh, lunches and and yeah. <laughs> things. That we've, you know, you can kind of imagine your own scenarios. With Actually, these would be the cook. The as you describe book. this, I'm more yeah. and more understanding kind of the tepid <laughs> response. No, it would be great, is what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> I'm saying that it would be great, meaning <laughs> even, even though it sounds not great. Yeah, no, I, I, want just, I want you to just trust me on. They this. call him Double Down. They call me Double Down. So anyway, I, I floated this idea by our ladies, and it was it was not well received. It was sadly received on two different. Like we we talked first to my wife. Mm -hmm. That was, was that, here. He, she was here in the studio. Was that during what we were recording? I, I've it lost track. We kind of recorded everything. We may be doubling together. up on this uh, on this particular topic. But then later we told your wife, and she kind of the same sort of like same sort of tepid slash almost making fun of us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like almost like mocking. A little hostile. A little bit a little bit of an edge. And I thought I said I thought you liked these coloring books. You know what I mean? And they said well yours wouldn't be as good. And we said oh, how dare you? What a slap in the face. What? Yeah. You know? What a bag over the head, punch in the stomach. Oh my goodness. Yeah, all of that. So anyway, um, you wanted to know about the colored pencils that I bought for my lady. Oh, right? you got these. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought these came from like an aunt. 
No, no, these came from me. Oh, well, but but right, it was so a, funny. But it was a gift from the boys. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went into uh, Michael's, where you buy your lashing supplies. I could have brought. I, you would not have made a mistake if I'd have been in Michael's with you, man. I know my no, way I don't. around a Michael's. So I, I bought this Art Deco coloring book for my lady, which is really beautiful. It's really quite nice. And in the same sort of display area, they had with it sort of bundled uh, a package of colored pencils. So not really paying huge attention, I just grabbed the colored pencils. I got them home, uh, wrapped up the gift. My lady opens it on Christmas morning. And, uh, and I realized that I had gotten her uh, sort of ethnic colored pencils in which every pencil was just like a different skin tone. You know what I mean? So as long as you're coloring a bunch of naked people a bunch from of around people the world. from around the world. That aren't wearing any clothing, because that would require other colors. Oddly or... enough, I didn't see the coloring book that was naked people from around the world. <laughs> That's a truly adult coloring book. It really is. You had to go sort of behind a, a swinging like, oh, set of doors <laughs> for that one. You know, Adults only. Yeah, yeah, yeah behind yeah. a curtain. <laughs> uh, or, you know, it could just be people that are like, you know, black people wearing like pinkish clothes and white people mm. wearing brown clothes. <laughs> You'd have to get real creative with it, but you still could use People wearing sort of skin-colored clothes. <laughs> or people wearing clothes made of skin, if it was a really kind of a dark... If it was kind of a, a Silence of the Lambs-themed <laughs> coloring book. <laughs> that was the most disturbing movie. Yeah. Do you yeah, agree? Yeah. yeah. Did, I, did I ever tell you, I'm sure I did, maybe even on the program, the story of how, I, how it was that I came to see that movie? Mm-mm. Zach, it was my first ever actual date. Oh no, awkward. No, let me let me tell you how this went down. So I had, I had a friend who was really cool named Bernie. And the ladies No, no one ever had a friend that was really cool. No, I'm telling named you, this guy Bernie. was super cool. It, he actually this is the guy that went out with like Heath Ledger's girlfriend for a minute. And he, and he kept the name Bernie. And he well, his by. name was Jeremy Burnworth. Oh. But everybody called him Bernie because oh. his name was Burnworth. All right, I can see that. All right. So anyway, this guy, um, great friend. And he, he calls me up one day. He goes, uh, T, do you want to go see a movie with some girls from Montpelier? Montpelier was the next town over. So it was even more exciting given that they were girls like not from our metro area. And just for people who don't know, Ted is not from Vermont but from Indiana. So it's a different yeah. Montpelier. But, yeah. Okay. So, so we go out with these girls. I don't even know what movie we're going to see. One of their moms drives. We end up seeing Silence of the Lambs, baby. And listen to me. It puts the lotion on the basket or it gets in the hose again. Dude, listen to me. I was I was like sheltered evangelical kid. You'd right? never come across anything like I'd this. I'd never come across anything like this. You felt guilty while you were watching it, did you not? I felt guilty. I felt horrified. Like I it well, was a kind of horror thing where, movie, so it was the kind of thing where I like I wanted to look like I was watching it so as to not appear uncool. But I was like thinking about other things. Oh, Ted, that it makes was me so sad. sad. Isn't this sad, dude? That makes me want to hug you. I'm not going to because our thighs are touching. But... Yeah, right. We're already basically spooning as it is. <laughs> but uh, isn't oh, that my... the saddest so, thing? But but I mean, if this guy was smooth enough to like get a date with Heath, Heath Ledger's girlfriend, he was so smooth. Uh, how would he think that was a good date movie? I mean, is there something I don't get about that? Like I, they they clutch onto you? I, the yeah, scary parts, I, I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was, and we never spoke of it. You know what I mean? For me, that like I never felt comfortable being like Bernie. So that remember that movie that we went to with those girls from Montpelier and how how scarring it was for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and how I kind of quietly wept during most of it while yeah. still so, somehow having a smile plastered yeah, on my I, face. Yeah, I quietly wept inside, you know? <laughs> and if I seemed a little sullen and withdrawn on the ride home, it's because I was just trying to process all that I'd seen. That, that, that movie is one of those where it's a classic and I have no idea why. I know, it's right? It's not even that... It's not groundbreaking. No, it's not even that good. It's got good actors, is the only thing. I'll give you another example of a movie 
that I think is really legitimate, but it had the same effect on me uh, emotionally. It was the movie Seven. Oh, I love that movie. Right, it's an amazing movie. Super disturbing. I never want to see it again. But but I acknowledge that it was amazing. You know what I mean? It was really well done and clever. And, and Dude, David Fincher, what a genius. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable talent. So anyway, how did we get on that, man? How did I, how did I dredge up like my, my dating history? It went from, from, from skin-toned... Uh, yes, that's right. It was to, a skin tone. To making a suit out of skin. It's really dark, isn't it? The, yeah. The way that it we, was one step. The way that it went home. on this program. <laughs> Let's talk about something else that disturbs me, but in a completely different way. What's that? Uh, we're we're starting a new year, launching a new year here uh, in the world. <laughs> yeah, here here in Earth, yeah, Earth, uh, here with the exception people. of China, yeah, and as mankind, I guess the yeah. Jewish world, right? Uh, the, the Gentile, non Chinese world is is celebrating a new year, and interestingly, also here at the company. Yeah, <laughs> we like to go along with those kind of things. Yeah, you know? we do. We don't. Push. I mean, we don't like to appease the culture. I mean, don't hear that we're, <laughs> we're trying transforming to transforming like, it. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to sort of be all things to all people. <laughs> And in that and in that vein, we're we're starting the new year as well. And uh, one of the things about the end of the year, uh, especially in kind of evangelical circles, you sort of get everybody's uh, end of the year blog post, uh, i.e., ah. you know the mo- the most fifteen most significant books that I read this year. I see where you're going with this. Subtext: you told me about I read a hundred books. Yeah, <laughs> and these are the most significant fifteen. When in reality, I read. Parts of fifteen books, and like like a couple pages of a sixteenth, which I just hated. And then right? I said, "Well, these are the fifteen most most significant. significant. These yeah. are the most meaningful for me." I hate these blog posts. I feel like it's self congratulatory and, and show offy, and I don't care what books you read. I hate those blog posts unless unless they mention one of my books, and then I love is. the blog posts. Then, then those are my favorite blog posts. Absolutely, and those people have discerning taste because they really did read a hundred. I celebrate the blog posts at, yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah. So you know. That's another way we transform culture. Hmm? Wait, no, that, Wait, doesn't make, that? that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. I'm going to back off on that one. Okay. Baby, what else are we, uh, what else are we talking about today? You know what? We're going to talk about all the things that are lashed to your bike. I'm going to go get my bike and bring it inside. Are you really? It's yeah. so cold out. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> you, you talk a little and I'll find out what you said when I listen to it later. I'm actually not going to do that. Yeah, why? I'm actually not, because uh, one of the things lashed to my bike is another small bike. Okay. It's called a tag-along, mm. and uh, I don't feel like unscrewing That makes it hard it. to maneuver around, doesn't I'm going to take some pictures of it and email them to you, and that'd be just as funny. Listen, would you mind uh, just sort of describing what's lashed to your bike? Another bike, apparently. That's the first kind yeah. of lash. What else? Right. Well, what I've got is I've got one... I've got one of those little, like, old-timey bells, like, bring, bring. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. With the American flag on it. Nice. Um, I've got, I'd say, nine or ten uh, bungees. Okay. Wrapped around the bike frame. Mm-hmm. I've got three, probably, bike bags. Okay. I've got uh, two lights on the front, two <laughs> lights on the back. No, you, can, can I stop you here for a minute and just kind of dig a little deeper on the on the bike bags? Okay. Um. You've got three of them. Uh-huh. What's in the bags? Okay. I mean, you don't have to tell me everything, but just in general, like why would why would someone need three bikes? Well, bags here's the thing: lashed to their bike. As a lasher, and I think my fellow <laughs> lashers can understand this idea. I want to be people pro- in the lashing community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Proud lashers. Mm-hmm. I want to be prepared for anything, mm-hmm. literally anything. Yeah. Uh, and when you go out, you know, on a thirty mile bike ride, yeah, you want to be ready for a flat tire. So I've got a new inner tube. Good. I've got a pump lashed to. The thing I got a, a repair kit. Mm. Um, I've got <laughs> Ted. I've got some extra chapstick. Okay. 
Because um, if you're out on a long bike ride, well, it's it's wind. It's special biker chapstick. Oh, it is for for like like the wind and stuff. Yeah, um, it's for guys who do these like ultra marathon rides. Right, and, and you know, and guys you. also wearing nipple tape. Yeah, exactly. And me. Yeah, right. Uh, guys with no nipple tape. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you have some extra nipple tape in the, yeah. in the in the in the. I've got an extra nipple. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you gotta be ready for anything. You really do. You, you know, know, I got that one from. A the, lot could happen out on that thirty miler. You the know? guy on seven. So yeah, yeah, um, oh, and, nice. And then I, I've got uh, probably six year old like those like really hard mixed crumbs everywhere um, <laughs> granola bars. Oh yeah, like the yeah. ones with two in a package. Oh right, it, it, it's like biting into plywood. Yeah, you know, for if I happen to get real hungry. Yeah, right. Have a have a blood sugar crash. You know, I have two separate bottle holders. Okay. Um, what else? I've got. I mean, I've got so much stuff lashed, man. Yeah. Uh, now, with all that stuff lashed to your bike. Oh, oh, the best thing. I'm sorry. Hold, hold, yeah, put a yeah. pin in that. I've. This is why I wanted to show it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Before I got my current Palm Pilot. Yeah. I had an earlier iteration of the Palm Pilot. Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it lashed to your? Uh, <laughs> I hope you do. Well, I I got it. This was this one had a slot in the back where you could slide in things. Yeah. Now this is going to sound like quaint now because yeah, of smartphones, yeah, yeah. but at the time. You could slide in a thing that made it a remote control for your TV. Ooh. You could slide in a thing that made it a CD player, a, a MP3 player. Well, it made the Palm a remote control for your TV? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's revolutionary. It is. That's unbelievable. I still use one upstairs. I love it. And one of the things you could slide into it made it a GPS. Okay. And it had a map on the screen, and it was it was awesome. And and I bought, when I bought that thing back in like 2002 or whatever, I bought the little suctions to the windshield, uh, and then it has kind of the... The molded plastic, yeah. So you can pop it in, yeah, in your car. Okay. Well, now I've wrapped that thing around the handlebars of my bike. Okay. And then using some tape, some zip ties, some strategic drill holes, and some Velcro. Yeah. That is there, and oh. I I take that <laughs> primitive GPS thing. And I pop it in, and it tells me how fast I'm going, even though I also have a speedometer. Okay. And it <laughs> and it maps where I've gone. Okay. And it tells me how far I've gone and my Maybe average that's speed. That's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and, and you know it's uh, what like, a fantastic thing. Now here's something. <laughs> I want to just unload this on you. I want okay. you to tell me what this means. Okay, sure. When someone tells me, "Dude, I have this, you know, this new thing I got that yeah. that pairs with my smartphone, and it and it does all this stuff. It tells me you know, where I went, and it maps it out on Google Maps." I kind of look down on them. Yeah. But when I am able to achieve the same thing using like fifteen to seventeen year old technology, right? I'm just happy with myself, and I think sure. it's the best thing ever. What right. What is that? Well, there's a fine line between kind of smug self satisfaction and and you know and, and judgment. I mean, I think <laughs> I think what you're feeling, Zach, is that you've you've sort of earned the right to feel good about yourself. Whereas this other guy just walked into a store and got whatever the latest thing is for his smartphone. Right, it was you know so I mean? easy for him, and I had to like, like cobble it, it together like a, yeah. a hacker in the movie Hackers. Like a hacker in the movie Hackers, and and you know you're there in your '80s glasses and your turtleneck and and. But but know. I'm not. I'm in like a dorky like like hey preppy sweater. Yeah. So I don't I don't know, man. I'm but I'm you a imagine yourself cast. as a kid from those movies. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Be honest with me. When you watch those movies as a kid, those hacker movies, did you sort of see? Little Zach in there that, doing that the hacking. That was my future. But here's yeah. the problem. See, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, that I wasn't my persona. I didn't see myself in those movies. I saw myself in other movies. But now that yeah. I'm old enough where I could, like, you know, finally, theoretically, start, you know, hacking, hacklashing. You, you could do that all Ooh, day long. Hacklash. Good hack, band name. Hacklash Sounds like that. Yeah. But, but now that I can, it's, no, it's nothing special because everyone has all that crap already. Yeah. 
Which is what makes me is what upsetting about the dynamic of the world. Yeah, that's right. Maybe right. if I went to a third world country where where technology was sort of <laughs> s- sparse, you would be like the you'd be like the Bill Gates of uh, <laughs> you'd be like the Steve Jobs of uh, you know uh, that guy has nine palms. Yeah, yeah, that guy has nine palms. He's our new president. You know. <laughs> Dude, you know what my favorite thing on a movie is? And what? this is this is right where, after this, like the day after this movie came out, mm-hmm. I hated all new, new technology. Sure. Whereas before, I loved it all. It's the scene in one of the National Treasure movies okay. where Riley, you remember Riley? Which, by the way, those are really dumb movies, but I really enjoy them. Yeah, they're, yeah. they don't make any sense, but they're right. super fun. Yeah. Riley is the, like, funny sidekick to Nicolas Cage. The kind of nerdy sidekick. Yeah, right? nerdy, but in, like, a way that all the girls wanted him. Mm-hmm. Um, well... There's a scene where Nicolas Cage is breaking into somewhere. Except none of the girls in the movies wanted him but because they were busy wanting Nicolas Cage. Which makes no sense. Which, absolutely. No. Yeah. So so Nick Cage is... I think he's, it's either in the first one he's breaking in to get the declaration or the second one he's breaking in somewhere else. Yeah. So Riley is like his, his you know, point man, tech man, yeah. monitoring everything. Yeah. He, he sneaks into a bathroom stall. Okay. He opens up like a, like a military uh, like surplus like bag with a zipper. Yeah. Yeah. And like reaches into like tattered like green material. Yeah. And he pulls out like five devices. Yeah. They're like palms, they're uh, phones, uh, one of them's like a mini laptop. You saw yourself doing that, didn't you? That was like your dream, wasn't yes. it? Yes, and then he sticks yeah. them all to the wall of the bathroom stall okay. and like wires them together. I don't know why, but he just right. does it look awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he like brought something up on the screen and yeah. I was like Dude. Oh, to be that guy. Yes! Oh, to be able to do that someday. And here's the thing. Everyone was like in awe of that, but now yeah. if somebody did that, everyone would be like, why don't you just have a smartphone? Yeah. I hate the world. Dude, I know. I, 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 I feel your pain, man. I really do. You know what? Listen to me. You keep lashing, <laughs> and you keep working with your palm, and it will all be okay. All right? You keep lashing, and you keep dancing. You keep lashing, and you keep dancing. <laughs> Lash like nobody's watching. You know? <laughs> I saw that on a greeting card one time, and I really took it to heart. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that I think the point was, you know, just live your life to the fullest. <laughs> it was what I think that meant. Dude, I feel really good right now. I feel like this is Do a you? really safe place. I feel like it is too. We're Do you have something a... else you want to share? No. Okay. No, that's that's all I've got. Really. No, I thought you. Were, I thought that was building towards something else. It's kind of as deep as I get as a person. You know what? I actually have something else I want to talk about. Okay. That, that's kind of, again, a little bit vulnerable, but I think. The settee, just being here, not having our kids in the room, this it's all working for me. Uh-huh. Um, remember when uh, we started following Blair from that show on yeah. uh, on Twitter? Wait, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, for funnies. For funnies, for haha, like yeah. ironically. Um, I, have a, I have a couple of questions. Number one, what was that show? Facts of Life. Facts of Life. I knew it. I forgot the name of the show. See. And I could have just looked it up, but I wanted to... <laughs> I wanted to ask you about it. So All it was right. Facts of Life. My second question is, provided that we can't get the other actress who I mentioned uh, for my film project, Silverdome... Um, you can't say her because it's in flux. And it's, it's, in, it's in flux. It's sort of in... Uh, say it and then just tell me later. This is going to be a couple weeks. Yeah. Tell me whether I have to bleep it out. Yeah, well, the actress that we're trying to get for Silverdome, which is a movie that I wrote uh, that's being produced by some uh, former NFL players. It's a great project. Uh, we're trying to get Winnie Cooper. That's not her real name. What is her real name? It's hard to pronounce. It's Danica McKellar. Oh, yeah. Is it McKellar? I don't know. It's. I'm, I'm having a little, like, 10% of doubt on that It's right Winnie now. Cooper. It's Winnie Cooper. Who was insanely important to a young Pastor Zach. Yeah. In, and I would add probably insanely important to all yeah. sort of boys of a certain age. Yeah. 
Meaning our age. And or uh, now she makes math books that make math like sexy, meaning that there are pictures of her in it. And that makes young men interested in learning about math in their spare time. I feel like that would have made me interested in learning about yeah. math. And, I, and I'll be honest, I had no interest in learning about math. <laughs> you know? And she also continues to, to act. You see her once in a while on a TV show, and you're like, dude, is yeah. that freaking Winnie Cooper? Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, if we don't get Winnie Cooper, uh-huh. do you think we could get Blair? I don't know, dude. Is she, does she still do any acting, is my question. She does. Okay. I remember we went on her website and looked at it a while ago. For funnies, for ha-has. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want Blair. Okay. I feel like talk, Blair talk does that. a lot of lifetime shows. Okay. Uh, I feel like Blair would kind of not add to the sort of indie cred of this movie. Yeah, the gritty kind of indie cred. Okay. Well, I'm glad we had that talk. I wanted to suss that out with you on the air. Well, you know, have you thought about reaching out to, say, Joe from Facts of Life? Dude. Nancy... Nancy Mc- McKeon. McKeon. I would be so intimidated. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Um... I don't know that I could even do that reach out. You know what I mean? What about Tootie? I like Tootie. I like Tootie, too. Kim Fields. That was her name. Kim Fields. Kim Fields. I actually... Is she still acting? I, I realize I'm asking the same question about all these people. Here's but... the thing with Kim Fields. Okay. I used to see her on the 700 Club, like, announcing Christian videos in, really? like, in the 90s. But Are you kidding me? Like, on she was the, like, dorky, like, young kid in mm-hmm. the... Was that a girls' like reform school or orphanage, or what was it that? It was, like, a girls' orphanage. That's... Which... Huh. Yeah. So, like, what was the, the like, the marm's name? Yeah, there was, like, an older lady. Mrs. Mrs. Um, um, Crap, hold on. Okay. Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. So, was yes. Mrs. Garrett, did she, like, was she profiting off them, or was this, she, she got her money from the state, or they, like, like... I don't know, they, they never went into how it was funded. <laughs> <laughs> they never did sort of... Fiscal responsibility in the facts of life, like an annual report episode. But that is one of know? the facts of life, isn't like it? Like with pie charts and that you have to be solvent. But uh... they, actually, they did one episode where <laughs> Mrs. Garrett just talked through a spreadsheet, and it <laughs> and got Joe really made, bad. Like, kind of yeah. comments about it. Yeah, and... it, got, it really uh, it reviewed badly. So and, I think and they, Blair they was dumb it. and she didn't get it. But yeah, but like Tootie was like the the awkward one, mm-hmm. and Blair was the pretty one. Mm-hmm. And then Tootie grows up, and she's grown up. She's grown up, and she's grown up, and, and the, she's grown up. And the thing is, I mean, I haven't seen her since her uh, 700, 700 Club, club uh, days. situation. But yeah. holy smokes, she got really beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, if her acting increased, you'd think if she continued acting, she probably yeah. would be. And, you know, what if there was kind of the interracial marriage kind of thing in there? That would be, oh, that would uh, be a very indie movie, wouldn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, I would have absolutely no problem with that. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Dude, you want to? Do people know about? Have we talked about Silver Dome at all, or not? I don't know that we've talked about Silver Dome on this program or my other program. At this point, nobody's going to have time to steal your idea. Yeah, this is kind of a, a not secret, but just sort of a, a thing that I've kind of done on the side of on the side. Um, well, on your website it says Ted Cluck, author, speaker, screenwriter. Yeah, I, I feel like there's rarely anything about your screenwriting anywhere where yeah, your your yeah. work is kind of out there. Yeah, I wrote a short film like. 12 years ago that like won some you know a couple of awards and I have uh, the DVD you have I'm the gonna, DVD do you have any copies of that we could give away I do have copies of that and we're we gonna give, give away, away. Uh, yeah. Brett what's it called uh, <laughs> bread of no, 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 no. Uh, Mana from heaven. Mana from heaven. Mana from which heaven. Which is a like a this is Spinal Tap, but about a praise band. It's a mockumentary about a praise band, yes. and it's a short film. And it's Ted, like fifteen. Ted's minutes. in it. I'm in it. I'm in Your it. Your wife's in a, it a little bit. I wear a nylon tracksuit. Dude, it's funny with no shirt underneath. It's very funny. Yeah, it is funny. It's uh, it's funny for for back then, but uh, <laughs> but anyway. So I've I've been I've gotten close on a couple of screenplays. I have an agent. 
Um, you have a separate agent. I have for a separate screen- agent for the really? screenplays. Yep. I and, did not know uh, that. Yeah, like he sends them out occasionally, and and are you like in the guild? I'm not in the guild because you have to. I think you have to make like a full. You oh, have to sell okay. like a full length film. I thought it was guild. the other way around. You had to be in the guild to sell the, the film. No, no, okay. no, no. I got you. You register the script of the guild, but then you're not actually in the guild until you sell the film. Okay, okay. So anyway, I almost sold uh, this film to um, a, another kind of big Hollywood actor whose name I probably shouldn't mention because... He lives in Michigan. Yeah. His wife is running for office. That's all you need to know. Is she really running for office? She is, and she's also a famous actress. She is. And uh, and they were going to do the film, but um, but anyway, it... it, it uh, we sort of parted ways, and now uh, we're just going to make the film uh, independently, which I'm really excited about. And uh, I've, like I said, I've gotten uh, several former NFL players who have read the script. It's about uh, an ex-football player who goes back to um, kind of the old falling down Pontiac Silverdome to live there as a squatter. So it's kind of a just an existential kind of uh, midlife crisis kind of movie. But uh, it's but kinda, it's kind of tell me if this is wrong. Is it yeah, also sure. sort of about Michigan, like the Detroit area? It really is. The, yeah, it really is. Dude, it's it's a really tight. It has to be tight because it's a short film. Yeah. But there's a lot in there, man. Yeah. I, I really thought it was a strong. Yeah. Screen, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, and yeah, we're excited about it. I can't wait to to get in there and, and start shooting and make the movie and uh, and work with these uh, these football guys who I love. So now, it's gonna be a good time. Here's what I picture. Yeah. Vis a vis me. Sure. During the time that this is being filmed, yeah, you... which, which believe me, I've already thought about, and uh, and you'll you'll have a significant role in, in just the the entire thing. Well, I don't want a significant role. Okay, I want I want you to flex your uh, your screenwriter muscles there to okay. get me just a thing I wear around my neck. Uh, yeah, a that lanyard. makes it seem like I am doing something there. Yeah, so that I can walk around with kind of a concerned look on my face and just sort of watch the whole thing unfold. <laughs> you, you know what I've already made actually, and maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit. Tell me if you think this is true or not. Uh, I've made the lanyard. And I've also made. <laughs> just sent me through together himself. I, I've, I've, I've talked to a company about getting uh, not a director's chair. <laughs> so you're envisioning the canvas thing with like the little wooden parts, and it and it's sort of the director's chair, kind of a lashable, director's lashable chair, yeah. classic director's chair. I've made a director's settee that we can, <laughs> that we can both kind of be on together on set. Says and Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. That's right. Gut check press. Like gut where it would press. say what you're doing. Where like, it would say director. Yeah, it says gut check. Like in script, you know how it's always in that kind of scripty director uh-huh. font. Yeah, yeah, it says gut check press. Yeah. But is it in that font or is it in like the gut check font? It's it's in the it's in the kind of Hollywood uh, the movie font. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to throw a nod to that. Like you know, we respect Hollywood. We respect the filmmaking process. Yeah, just like we respect New Year's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as a as a means of kind of being in the culture. You know. <laughs> you know what else, Ted? I. I wear like pants, <laughs> shirts, socks, all sorts of stuff that the world does. Dude, not to be in the world and in the pants, but not of them. In you know the pants, I mean? not of the pants. <laughs> I think that's beautifully said, and it really speaks to just your your level of cultural engagement. You know what I mean? I look at you in your pants, and I think <laughs> there's a guy who cares about the culture. You know, I mean, you're not you're not bending to the will of the culture from a from a theological standpoint but you're 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 wearing pants and a shirt and i say good on you you know you know and i comb my hair sometimes you do um yeah it's these are the kind of things that i think once the now do you feel like you're compromising do you feel like (laughs) i feel like the potential is there okay but i put my pants on one leg at a time Mm. ted even though we're we're huge publishing stars we're huge radio stars actually back that up yeah because the world puts their pants on one leg at a time right i feel the reason it's okay for me Ooh. to wear pants is because i just stuff both my legs in at once <laughs> yeah so i do it in a different way that's your nod to you know what i'm still who i am that's my nod of it yeah you know yeah yeah <laughs> of it 
I love it, baby. You know, Lord you willing, like some creative. Everything goes right. I'll be back up here in the spring for a few days at least. Like you know, Silverdome be yes. awesome. Maybe I'll even crash with you, baby. I'll sleep down here on the settee, dude. You know, dude. No, you know what we can do? We'll blow up the air mattress. Yes, and then make a little study area off the side. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because every time we, we uh, share an air mattress, I like for there to be a study area. <laughs> Meaning about a foot and a half of space between the mattress and the wall of the tent. And then, you know, what really helps is when the, the rain music comes out, the mm. rain sound. Yeah, because you don't want to leave all the comforts of home behind, you know? <laughs> Dude, I can't sleep if it's perfectly quiet. I can't either. It's, it's, it's eerie. You know what I mean? Like, Aaron will be like, I don't like the sound of the highway. I'd like to be out further. And I'm like, dude, yeah. the car's kind of... Can you guys hear the highway? Uh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. The, if the window's open. Sure. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's that yeah, way. it's not that far And away. it just bounces yeah. through yeah. kind of, yeah. And when the trucks rumble by and whatnot. Yeah, I like that. Or, yeah. or like, not not like the a real loud blast, but like yeah. it's the sound of a train. Sure. I love that. Yeah, I kind of like that too, man. It's kind of soothing in its own weird way. Although... You know? I remember when what we're referencing here is a time when Ted spoke at a men's retreat for my church. Yeah. And we were sleeping in a campground, and we and we were in a tent with a very large air mattress. Yeah. And uh, the air mattress was sort of envision like if you ran track in high school, like the high jump pit. <laughs> it was it was sort of that thickness. And and, and it big in the middle, and then went down yeah. to the sides. Yeah. In a tent where the roof was like six <laughs> inches above that. You know. <laughs> and I and uh, and so. We were like 45 feet away from each other. Yeah. And I was like, good night, Ted. Yeah. And he was like, good night, Zach. And then he heard the rain come on. Because in my Palm Pilot, yeah. I have rain.mp3. Mm. And it started, and you, and you began to laugh. Yeah. And uh, and then I, I remember finding out that like halfway through the night, you went and slept in your car. <laughs> yeah, I did. Even though it was like 99 degrees, and it must have been so hot in your car. You know, I th- this is not something I'm proud of from an environmental standpoint. Oh, no. <laughs> but I think I ran my car. I'm glad you lived. Mm-hmm. That you didn't get like carbon monoxide poisoning, and well, I don't know what we would have done for a speaker the next day. Yeah, exactly, guys. We're gonna just have a. You know, you know what you would have done. You would have done that thing that they do at like sort of men's conferences where they don't have enough content, and they're like, you know what, everybody just go take a walk on your own and kind of uh, reflect. And I avoid you know, those kind of conferences, dude. Those are I went the worst. to a pastor's conference like that one time. Yeah, and when it was time to go and reflect, mm-hmm. I went and reflected, and I saw my car. Yeah, and then I got in my car. And, and then home. I went home. Yeah. I did. I did. You're like, you know where I love to reflect, actually, more than any other place, is my house. My wife yeah. was like, I thought you weren't coming home until tomorrow. And I was like, nah, this yeah. isn't for me. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't want to just kind of... And, and, and I had like a specific thing I was supposed to be reflecting on. It was yeah. nothing I would really think about. Nothing you would ever reflect on in real life. You know what was baller about that uh, conference? What's that? Is that the night before, we just had like... We had no... Really, we had three things with you. Or, or even two. I think it was yeah. one the night and then one the next morning. Yeah. Uh, sessions with you. And then other than that, it was just hanging out, chatting. Dude, that was super fun. We got a huge fire going, and I brought my humidor back when it was just stopped. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like cigars, chatting, and, and... It was a great time. That was actually a great time. Yeah. Th- we had not done like that kind of like just guys mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. We, we now have a breakfast at my church where once a month we get together and just, you know... Dude, it's good, all kidding aside, because... I mean, that kind of thing really usually doesn't happen in a You church. have to make it happen. You but, have to make it happen. But yeah. once you make a reason for people to get together, men like to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But if you say, let's just get together and talk, there's something there's something suspicious about that. There really is. Yeah, you feel like you're going to get hit with, I don't know, go and reflect kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know what, though? Reflecting well, saves lives. It does. <laughs> and homeschooling and guns and... It's homeschooling gun reflection. Homeschooling gun reflection. Saves the most lives. It really does. It really does. 
three weeks later. Look, Ted, you know what I think uh, I want to talk about in a minute is is something that you said you haven't you haven't encountered yet. Okay. And, and that is the video that everyone is is uh, sharing around of this woman who whose building had caught on fire. Uh, and and I think it's because you're not on uh, you know Facebook or anything, right? So you're you're not seeing all of these sort of uh, you know internet uh, things, internet sensations. As it yeah, were. I almost said memes, but that's not a meme. Um, right? It's it's uh, a real person who's real. Whose real uh, property was in danger from a real fire, but who okay. is so really awesome that uh-huh. uh, it just it, it comes across as kind of life affirming okay. and magnificent, um, which is it, why it gets shared around on all these life sucking platforms. Yeah, 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 and yeah. because we all need to live vicariously through others. Indeed. Um, do you have your phone? Would you be able to type in uh, "the building is on fire" and see? You know uh, what? I'm going to do you one better, my friend. I have uh, here in the studio, I have my computer. Oh, wow. Um, so and my my recording equipment is in no way connected to my computer. So don't think that this is just a guy with a desk and a laptop with a microphone <laughs> plugged into it. Here in the studio, I have I have a separate computer, um, which I'm going to use to look this up. So give me uh, give me just a second here. It's popping the building. <laughs> That's it. Is, is that That's part it. of it? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pull this up, and and Zach, I'm just going to let this play, and then I'll react to it here uh, live on the air. And we, we've got about a minute and six seconds of content here, it looks like. All righty. Okay, so I'm going to let this roll. Here we go. My friend came to the door. She said, well, I was on the phone cooking me and my baby some breakfast. And she said, hey, something wrong is popping. I said, what? She said, yeah. I said, no. So the girl come downstairs. She come out her apartment with her baby with no shoes on. I said, oh, girl, it's cold outside. She said, I love how she recreates the dialogue. Oh, man, the building is on fire. There it is. The building is on fire. my three kids and we bounced out. Uh-uh, we ain't going to be in no fire. Not today. So, folks, when your building is on fire, bounce out. Oh my gosh! I freaking love that. Oh man! I swear, Aaron and I watched that like thirty-five times. <laughs> let me let me ask you. It's kind this, of an uh, issue in focus, if you will. Uh, I, I I will. Wow. Yeah. I mean that. There's a full circle comment if there ever was one. But <laughs> what sort of sad second tier cartoon character is that on her shirt? I think it's like one of those M and M's, like the living M and M from the M and M's commercials. I see. So I she see. bought yeah. a, a, an M and M's or got an M and M's uh, sweatshirt, which I think also just kind of adds to the that the mythos of the whole for thing some, for some reason. See, I yeah. don't find it sad at all. I find it uh, it makes me really happy. Well, it, what makes me happy is how is how meticulously she recreated the dialogue. <laughs> like you, you, you really got like what every single person in the scene was saying. So she did a nice job with that. She she should be a writer. Um, <laughs> I've actually I, I put that up. I was one of the first people in kind of my circles to put that up, which yeah. always feels good because you don't want to be one after everyone's seen it. And, right, and right. a number of writers that I know wrote like, "I wish I could get her to tell my stories." Yeah, there you go, man. That she would be a great book trailer person. Oh my gosh, you're right, baby. Listen to me. I just had an amazing idea. Okay. Could we commission her to do a book trailer for the Gut Check Guide to Publishing? I I would like to try. Um, I would love to just try. to like send her a copy and send say, her a copy. would you just kind of tell me, you know, excitedly what you liked about this? In and- Forty five seconds. Could you be enthusiastic on camera about this 
this book that we've written. Now, with somebody like that, I mean, like that, or or ain't nobody got time for that, or one of these people who has their like fifteen seconds of fame, but it just endures yeah. and endures and endures, and it becomes yeah. part of pop culture. Do you think it's possible to actually kind of monetize that? And and I mean, you're already everywhere, and kind of use the fact that you're everywhere to to. Dude, I, I, I would think for a for a short period of time, she could monetize that. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, she, she and, and it's all about just traffic. Right. I mean, it's all about number of clicks and 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 all that. So I'll Trogi should get on that with her. He should. You know, now that he's marketing guru, copywriter, you know, extraordinaire, he should. Well, he's not should marketing ask, guru. That's us. Well, yeah, of, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's Chaz, really. I mean, that's someone who's in our our. No, app. I mean, we're actually marketing guru itself. Guru, the energy drink. We are, yeah, verb marketing. We yeah. we are marketing guru. So Whereas mar- El Trogi and Chaz are marketing gurus, right? Yeah, it's all it's important it's tricky. distinction. Important distinction. No, I'm 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 glad you nuanced that out. You sussed it out for us. It's full sussed. Fully sussed is what it is. <laughs> well, baby, the next thing that we have to talk about today is oh, is not sad. so happy. Not yeah. as happy as a woman's place being on fire and her. No, Ted, it's not that the place was on fire. It's that she could like respond to it in, in such a in such a cheerful, life-affirming, was, life-giving yeah, She was so way. indomitable that her building was on fire, and she was able to be like, oh, a TV camera? Let me set the scene for you. She you was know? full of spirit, wasn't she? And she someone was else who was really good at setting the scene is, is someone we've, we've said goodbye to today. I know, and it's sad, and it's, uh, it's Alan Rickman, uh, the great, yeah. uh, great British actor Alan Rickman, who, of Hans course— Hans uh, Yeah, of course, was Hans Booby. You know, this is the role that you and I will— uh, forever celebrate him for his role as uh, Hans Gruber, the great villain in the the film Die Hard, uh, greatest Christmas uh, movie of all time, probably also the greatest action movie of all time. So Absolutely, Hans Gruber has made uh, a, a wide ranging impact on the culture via that and uh, many other films. Ted, um, I'm, I'm glad that you're not on Facebook today, so that you didn't have to endure what I had to endure. Which, Which is, was, baby? What, what what were you enduring? Seeing a bunch of people posting like, oh, I'm so sad that Alan Rickman died. I'll always remember him as like, you know, Professor Fluffin' Nuts from Harry Potter <laughs> or whatever the crap he was uh, on that. Or like dude. Sense and Sensibility or like some yeah. galactic sci-fi thing he was in. And it's just like, no, you're not allowed to be sad about it unless you primarily identify this man as Hans Gruber. Seriously, man, that's that's well said. And uh, I, mean, know, I don't want to tell people they're not allowed to be sad, but like I don't want to hear about their sadness. Right. I mean, it, bare minimum, he has to be primarily the sheriff of Nottingham. Right. Which in was which a, he is the only watchable part. <laughs> yeah, that movie was so bad on so many levels. Um, yeah, he really redeemed it, man. He makes that movie watchable, and uh, and he was so great in in that as well. Um, you know, he'll always be Hans to me and, and to you, but yeah, a, a very close second is, uh, is, is his performance in, uh, the Kevin Costner, uh, Robin Hood picture. It seems like just last week I was, uh, trying to do a bad impression of Alan Rickman while reading <laughs> Smug Veteran Editor's rewrite of, of a uh, scene from Die Hard. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? It was a great impression and all the more kind of important poignant. that you, yeah. all the more poignant and important that you did that work now and that, poignant. Uh, Impoignant. <laughs> you know what? Too soon for laughter. How has that word not been been used on our program or otherwise by Chaz us? came up with that? Yeah, impoignant. That's, That's amazing. That should be on the follow up. Oh man, yeah, that should be on the cover to to something at some point. <laughs> yeah, just just in quotes. You know what? I can use that dot dot dot. 
this is the most poignant book on church culture that I've read this year. <laughs> Ed Pluck, bloviating author. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Baby, let me ask you this. Outside of uh, Die Hard and Robin Hood, what's your favorite Alan Rickman role besides those two? Can you, Does something come to mind for you? Hmm. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> what about me, you, what, Ted? For me, what happened here is that I asked a bad radio question. You know, I asked a question that uh, that, that spurred no dialogue. Um, we can just cut this out if you want. <laughs> do Do you have another uh, role? That I do. I, I have another role. He was in a he was in an ensemble Christmas film called Love Actually. Okay. Um, have you seen the film? I I have not. That's one that I hear you talking about a lot, but I haven't seen. Dude, it's really good. It's an ensemble Christmas movie. He's in it. Uh, a bunch of huge actors are in it. Um, uh, who's the guy with the, the other British guy with the floppy hair? Who's in Notting Hill? Hugh Grant. Uh, Hugh Grant's in the movie. Alan Rickman, a bunch of other people, and um, Bill Nagy, another great old British actor, is in the film. Do but, you say uh, the G, or isn't it just like Nagy? Oh, dude, I don't know. I don't care. I really don't care that <laughs> you know, much. This you is know about I mean? Rickman. This isn't about it's Bill about Rickman. Yeah. And and even if it wasn't about Rickman, I wouldn't care all that much <laughs> about the pronunciation. But uh, all that to say, he he was great in this movie, and it was a it was a very unRickman like role in that he wasn't like villainy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He was just like a regular guy with like regular guy problems. Um, it was good. I would say that probably the third. I mean, I, I have seen him in probably seven or eight movies. Yeah. I would say the the third best one that I've seen him in is is a movie that I thought was kind of deep at the time, and now I realize was just insanely 90s bad and 90s deep and awful, which was the Kevin Smith uh, kind of supernatural film Dogma. Okay. Yeah, Dogma was terrible. It was it was unwatchable, terrible. Although you know when you're like, here's a, there's something about being like middle of seminary sem student where yeah. you're like, oh man, I gotta make sure I don't lose touch with you know the culture yeah. and everything, and you will you'll endure anything. In the name of, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, staying poignantly relevant. There you see how impoignant. It's very impoignant to do. Impoignant. People said about Dogma, like, dude, it'll it'll really make you think. Yeah, you know? but it didn't. It'll make you think about religion. And also, like, there's there's some language, you know, just right. give and, a caveat. And there's, and like, a, a language... combined, like, 38 minutes of just horrible filth that isn't even funny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's a think piece, you know? Yeah, yeah it's a think piece. But Rinkman played uh, the the angel who comes and and like kind of gives the news to Jay and Silent Bob or no no to uh, who was the chick in that? Oh, was it was it the chick with the really annoying voice or am I thinking of another Kevin Smith? Oh, okay. you're thinking of uh, Mall Rats that yeah. had like the the poor man's um, poor man's Renee uh, Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. What's exactly. her name? Joey something. Joey yeah Joey something. She's got a boy's name. And somehow on you know coming out of Zellweger. The, that kind of raspy voice is just insanely endearing. Coming yeah. out of Joey, what's her name? It's raspy, just a, like tweaked off a little baby voice. Yeah. Oh, it just it makes me mad. Yeah, definitely. Right. right, right. Um. But uh, I think. Hold on, I'm looking it up to see who it was. Sure. The the woman. Uh, is it Linda Fiorentino? Oh, sure. Yeah. Linda Fiorentino. I don't. I don't know. What else was she in? Uh, I have no idea. I said, oh, sure. Like I I knew who she was and like I was familiar with her. Her body of work, but I actually have no idea. What 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 I really should have said was, I know who that I know that person's name. When I've <laughs> heard that name before, and that's where my knowledge ends. 
It looks like she was on Men in Black uh, and Dogma, and uh, that she must have been the uh, like uh, Agent L or whatever on Men in Black. This yeah. is getting boring. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Rickman a little more. What's your favorite line from Hans Gruber? Yeah, favorite line from Hans Gruber. Man, that's uh, that is that is a tough one. There are so many. Obvious um, choice is a possibility is uh, benefits of a classical like education. education. <laughs> I love that. I also love, you know what? I love, uh, I am an exceptional thief. Yes. Remember? Yes. He gets really offended that it's suggested he's a common thief. Yeah. Not because yeah. he's not just a, a thief, but because he's not common. He's an exceptional thief. That's great. an exceptional great. thief. You know, what, you know what KK always comments about on that scene when we watch it together is the fact that at no point in the film is John McClane's wife, Holly McClane's blouse open at all. Uh-huh. Except that when they cut to that scene, she's like sitting up against a wall and her blouse is like completely open. She knew it was the climax of the action flick. And so it was important she- that her blouse be open. Exactly. Which is something insanely 80s and, and oh, kind so, of just... Yeah, just incredibly 80s. There was, there was something kind of skeezy about the 80s where you had to do yeah. that if you were making a movie. You really did have to do that. So other, what about you, baby? What about your favorite Rickman line? I would say, uh, I mean, any line where he's he's doing something insanely evil, but in a blasé way, and with like a yeah. that kind of like polite Sneer. smile, with yeah. the, the kind yeah. of evil behind it. Uh, yeah. For example, the negotiation with Takagi. Oh, uh, yeah. oh my goodness, that whole scene is just you know when they're in the they're they're in the uh, elevator and he's talking about how he has the it same yeah, yeah the same tailor and like oh my gosh he he's here's the thing with that movie it is it is a well written story yeah. And 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 I don't want to I don't want to impugn the movie at all, uh, the screenplay. No, but with both uh, McLean, uh, with both Bruce Willis's delivery and with uh, Gruber's lines, when you listen to them, each and every memorable line, if you just look at it on paper, especially with the stuff Rickman brought to life, you're like, that's not that good of a line. That's not that great. That's not legendary until. Right. It, it's given life by Alan Rickman. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, like, Glass, who cares about Glass? I mean, nobody yes. would be saying yeah. that either if it weren't for, right, right. you know, the 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 sort of uh, kind of vibe you, you pick up off of, uh, of the, these, these, these ensemble cast is just, this ensemble cast just blows my mind every time I yeah. watch it. Dude, good story, but great performances. Great right. and yeah. performances. And uh, yeah, I, and I think that was the, that was the Rickman thing where he could take a turd of a movie like Robin Hood yeah. <laughs> and, and really probably even a turd of a script and completely redeem it, you know, just because of uh, the kind of charisma and the kind of uh, skill that he brought to uh, to playing these parts. What are some other uh, signature uh, Hans Bobby moments? Well, there, I mean, there's it's not a line, but there's the moment when you realize he is going to off Ellis. Yeah. You know, even though he could just fire the gun and mm-hmm. and send Ellis away with the same effect. He's not he's he's done with this guy. This guy's no use to him anymore. Yeah. Dude, that yeah. was a great those two played off each other really well, too. Yeah, Ellis and uh and and Rickman for sure. Now, whatever happened to Ellis as an actor? Where where did he go? I looked Heart him up on Boston. IMDb once. Yeah. And and I saw his current headshot, no beard. He's mm-hmm. he's aged quite well. And I read yeah. through, and it was a ton of TV, and I'm like, I have literally seen this guy on, like, 18 shows and not yeah. realized it was Ellis. Dude, that's amazing. So he's worked. He's He's been a working Hollywood actor for all these years. Yeah. Uh, the guy needs to grow that beard back, especially today, when yeah. everyone's got a beard. But, but, I mean, that's the Ellis look, and, right. and he could trade on that. Dude, he absolutely could trade on that. 
for sure. What do you think are the odds of us getting Ellis on the program? Oh, my goodness, dude. You know that nothing would make me happier than to get Ellis. Um, and to even do some sort of a writing project with Ellis. Wouldn't that be fun for, for us as a company? Um, just, just some sort of book about like the life of a Hollywood actor, you know, not a, you know, not, not the, the, the huge Oscar winning type, but, uh, but yeah, just the, the work a day grinder in, in Hollywood, I think it would be fascinating, but I want to ask um, you something, man. And I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to like upset you because you're going to hear my, my question, which is an idea. And you're going to be really pissed at yourself <laughs> for not coming up with this idea. Wow, that's a that's a lot of uh, yeah, that's a lot that's of a lot of preface lead up, yeah. But um, here's the question, Ted: sure. Did you at any point consider kind of pursuing the guy who played Ellis for Silverdome? Wow, you know um, that is an amazing idea. I do hate myself for not thinking of it. <laughs> you should. Um, but I also have uh, I have a really great former NFL player who's kind of dialed into that role right now. Oh, I wouldn't have um, thought that he would play the uh, the. The star, the the former star, he doesn't have the oh, build okay. or anything, but yeah, he could um, play like a like a supporting guy then. Yeah, like uh, his agent or whatever in the flashbacks and stuff. Oh, just, dude, yeah. In which case, I'm all over it. Yeah, I would I would love nothing more than to have Ellis involved. That's maybe a, not too late. No, I know, definitely not too late. Does he? Let me ask you this: Does he have a like a website? I have no idea. I, I don't I'm have gonna... IMDb Pro, so you can't see people's like agents yeah. and all this stuff. I, I tell you what, you wouldn't want to try and get a hold of him in the next few days because I guarantee his phone is ringing off the hook. People wanting to yeah. talk to him about Rickman uh, Dude, because yeah. of that connection. I'm looking at him right now. You're right. He's totally aged well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, looks, he probably looks better now than he did then. I was just going to say he looks better now than he did then. And and, and granted, he was playing kind of a slime ball of a, of a character then. Missed some. Missed some. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm looking at his personal website right now. Are you really? What is it? Let me want to tap into Heart, it too. Hartbochner.com. Oh, you know what, man? It's an unofficial fan site. Oh my gosh, look at this guy. I uh, thought for a minute it was like his personal site. Yeah. He's the greenest celebrity in Hollywood, according to the little clip at the top. Right. Um, and look at this. It's the 26th anniversary of the character Ellis from Die Hard. Mm. And then there's nice. that wonderful picture of that, that you know, kind of, you know what, eating grin with those perfectly straight white teeth. Yep. Oh my gosh, that is spectacular. And and honestly, he doesn't look a day older. No, he doesn't. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he's he, this he guy's looks... secret. Yeah, I don't know. We we need to have him on the program and ask him, baby. Look at the chin on this guy. Actually, he could have. He probably could have pulled off the the lead role in uh, in, in your movie. Um, I know. I know it's so, already so, cast, so... but maybe yep. a understudy. He totally could have. Yeah, I mean, he's got that. Uh... Very much that uh, that dreamy quarterback kind of kind of look to him, man, with that that huge chin. Um, the greenest celebrity in Hollywood. I wonder what that means. I guess he must have a small carbon footprint. You know what he would like? I bet then is organic energy drinks. Yeah, yeah I of bet the he sort would. That we enjoy on this program, meaning Guru. Yeah. Jane, do look at this. Hart Bachner and Jane Seymour star in War and Remembrance, the 18-hour ABC miniseries beginning tonight. That's from like the TV Guide. Or like the, the knockoff TV guide from sometime in the yeah. 80s. Dude, talk about also looking better than ever. Jane Seymour oh. is, is like 10 times more attractive than she was even as a young woman. 
Dude, um, you should try to get a hold of that 18-hour miniseries and watch that, man. I'd rather... I've already seen it, I think. That's the kind of thing my parents taped off TV and it was just always on, like that kind of thing. Like yeah. The North yeah. and South and War, you know, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. Now, who decides... You know, what's the motivation beside, behind being like, I'm going to be the guy who's really into Hart Bachner, makes the, the fan site, you know, keeps yeah. the unofficial thing going? Is it someone who thinks, you know, I pick a, a kind of lower-level celebrity and I have a better chance of becoming... You know, ingratiated part of their life, or is it somebody who's just super into Ellis or one of these other roles? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know the psychology behind the Hart Bachner uh, <laughs> the fan site. You know, I mean, I feel like that's a level of of admiration that, that that even sort of transcends what we have going vis-a-vis Hart Bachner. You know, uh, two things I want to say, and then we can move on from this. One is uh, obviously we've talked more about Ellis than than the late Rickman. Um, yeah, one is. We'd probably have a better chance of getting uh, the guy who runs this fan site on our podcast to ask him about his motivation than we would getting Bachman himself. Now, you know what? I would be absolutely okay with that, too. Um, <laughs> and the other I, I thing... Think, go ahead. I, I, I just think that would be... that That's potentially an amazing interview right there, you know? Fan the other thing guy. I was going to suggest is if you go all the way to the bottom, you'll see uh, a, another adaptation uh, that that uh, Ellis was in, and it might it might surprise you. Okay, you still got that page up? Oh wait, I, no, I already closed it. What is it? The sun also rises. Hemingway's tale of passion and tragedy in a two part miniseries, starring Dude, that's Hart Bachner, which is another uh, tale that. Uh, that uh, smug veteran editor took a crack at, dude. Bachner, looking at these pictures, I mean, he just—he strikes me as kind of your classic like Hollywood leading man. You know what I mean? He's, he's just got that like. It was almost like he was born too late, Zach. You know, like if it if it had been like the the 30s or the 40s or the 50s, he would have been like the the biggest star in Hollywood. Yeah, he's like a Humphrey you know? Bogart, but uh, yeah. in the 80s, they're like, okay, you wipe the 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 kind of crank off your nose and then make some kind of yeah. smug comment and get shot in the face. Dude, it's it's almost like he's too classically like J.C. Penney's handsome. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, I, I really and he's a perfect model for Chaz Marriott, and uh, I think we he really uh, is. Yeah, we need to we need to incorporate some of these pictures in the next round of Chaz related marketing. <laughs> okay, um, as you know, uh, it's Gut Check Literacy Month. It has been for uh, about eight, weeks now, yeah. eight or nine weeks now, and uh, we have another installment ready for you, uh, pre recorded in uh, in. A different Gut Check studio here at the Complex. And, you, and we don't want you to confuse pre-recorded with live, meaning mm. recorded in advance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is more... so many layers of recording. Think of this as a bit that we recorded and then lashed to the, the greater episode, which is what you've just been hearing. Or like if you're watching Saturday Night Live and it's a rerun, uh-huh. and then they go to one of those like digital shorts, which was recorded even before that. That's exactly what this is like. That's what this is akin to. Yeah. Um, so enjoy the chapter. Uh, enjoy literacy. Enjoy <laughs> the 27 or 28 weeks of Gut Check Literacy Month that we have remaining, and uh, we will see you next time. It just got real. Dr. Wiles, this is my essay. Duke Morrison is the guy helping you off the concrete floor, ma'am. We're all in this together now. It just got real. Why aren't we still flying? Don't make me call Ditka.
It just got real. Uh, this is Chapter 8, uh, and we are excited about literacy. We're even more excited about uh, our book, Reraptured, and it's our pleasure to have our lovely ladies involved. Uh, so we have Aaron Bartles reading this chapter. We have... Uh, Aaron Bartles wrote this chapter. She wrote this chapter. She gets to read this chapter. We have my lovely lady, uh, Kristen Cluck, chiming in with some female voices, and, uh, and Zach and I also chiming in with some male voices. So this is a total team effort. Um, in the gut check family. So uh, here we are without further ado, chapter eight, The Call. James Wiles is all too relieved to get Alex Roth out of his hair. He hates confrontations with students, especially ones who were bright and had as much potential as he saw in Alex. If only he'd buckled down. He hadn't even wanted to come into the office on a Sunday, but he knew he had to get the discussion over with before class on Monday, if only to give Alex enough time to finish the bluest eye and write a decent paper by Friday. James slides some papers into his beat-up briefcase and leans back in his chair. He takes off his glasses and digs the heels of his hands into his eye sockets, contorting his face into a grotesque mask of wrinkles <laughs> one moment and taut skin the next. He sees bright, capricious stars darting about in his field of vision for a moment after that, and when his vision clears, he glances out at the tall, skinny window that interrupts his sprawling bookshelves like an exclamation point in the middle of a very long paragraph. The slanting rays of the evening sunlight illuminate countless little dust particles drifting throughout the room. Like Alex, thinks the professor. (laughs) Aimless. He must think of something to motivate that young man, something that would help him to see that he was meant for great things, but that great things did not come easily. James knows that all too well. His was a bumpy road, full of twists and turns he had not envisioned for himself, false starts and backtracking. Pulling out his bottom drawer all the way, James reaches in and grabs the leather and silver flask from the very back. He pours some of the amber liquid into his coffee cup, then gets up from his desk, walks over to the window, and leans against the bookshelf. From his perch high above the quad, he watches a few students hurrying off to the library to finish last-minute homework, while others travel in packs to the cafeteria or stand in huddled groups smoking and playing hacky sack. (laughs) The requisite moody guy in the tight t-shirt is playing guitar on a bench with a few moderately attractive girls hanging about him. James thinks of his first experience of college. Not a big state school like this one, with its ancient trees and beautiful brick buildings and slate roofs, but a tiny Bible college populated by newly planted saplings and buildings that reminded one of a strip mall or a dentist's office. (laughs) He hadn't been there long. Long enough, though. The phone rings and pulls Dr. Wiles from his stupor, probably some student hoping to leave a voicemail about missing class tomorrow, thinking he wouldn't be in his office. James smiles as he picks up the receiver, ready to hear the hesitation and embarrassment in the student's voice. But it is he who hesitates when he hears the voice on the other end of the line. James, it is I, Pastor Avraham ben who? Ben, hold on. <laughs> I went too hard on the accent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Abraham ben Yeshua. Who? He recognizes the voice, but... Abraham ben Yeshua. I'm sorry, sir, but you must have the wrong number. No, this is Dr. James Wiles, is it not? Yes, it is, but I don't know anyone named Pastor Abraham. Abraham. Rabbi Pastor Abraham. Yes, well, regardless, I don't know you. But you do. Look, I'm on my way out of (laughs) Look, I'm on my way out of the office. Can you please just tell me who you are? 
James, it's me, Josh. Josh? <laughs> Josh from the... Yes, James, it is time. <laughs> section break. Section break, and then she's going to need to come over here, right? Section break. Because Misty's, yeah. Misty's coming up. After Misty leaves for work, Alex turns back around and heads for Black Eyes. He may have missed his date there with Misty, but he's always in the mood for coffee. He can't believe he actually hated coffee when he got to college. His parents always have black coffee in the morning. Folgers or Maxwell House or some swill like that. They know nothing of fair trade, organic espresso blends, boysenberry flavoring syrup, or frothy whole milk. <laughs> Alex loves having to wipe foam from his facial hair. It makes... <laughs> It makes him feel like he's in his late 20s, <laughs> despite not having yet turned 21. He sits in a corner booth with his enormous coffee drink and flips open his phone, then closes it again quickly. He shouldn't bother her when she's working. The last time she texted him, he had been in a soul-suckingly boring physics class, sitting at the back of the lecture hall next to a couple that was making out. She'd mentioned the interview she was supposed to be doing with Strongbow today, he thinks of her sitting in a locker room with ripped, half-naked guys walking around. And now, Alex finds himself trying to think of any excuse to interrupt them. Then he remembers that strange little news item about microchips that let viewers track their favorite players on screen. Alex makes it clear on a regular basis that he does not watch televised sports. But in reality, when he heard some guys from his dorm talking about it between mouthfuls of Doritos and cheese puffs in the common room, <laughs> Alex had run back to his laptop and hit the bookmark for ESPN.com. <laughs> That's it. He and Kate had been texting about it during that physics class. The perfect excuse. As he punches in the message, he imagines Kate's reaction when she sees it's him. He could feel the sparks between them back in American Lit 1 and 2. She wore thin skirts and halter tops in the hot months, tight jeans and loose-knit sweaters that were practically see-through in the cold months. When she graduated last spring, he was seriously bummed. That's when Misty came into the picture. Misty's all right, but she's no Kate. Kate is sophisticated and sexy. Misty is sort of like an overly emotional pixie. She likes people to think she's all dark and mysterious, but Alex can already tell it's an act. He's seen her music collection. There isn't a subversive band or song represented. She has the t-shirts, but that's it. Alex smiles as Kate's response comes in. Patience, grasshopper. That's flirty right there. <laughs> he's about to text something clever back when he sees Misty's roommate, Emma, walk through the door with a few friends. They file into the booth next to his and deposit backpacks and Bibles, then go up to the counter to order, leaving Emma behind to guard their stuff. Hi, Alex. Says Emma with a smile. Oh, hey. <laughs> Are you busy right now? Or would you like to join us for a Bible study? Uh, Alex. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> I said, uh. <laughs> okay. Say it again. Uh. Alex struggles for an excuse. For some reason, he feels like he shouldn't lie to someone who's on a first name basis with God, but he really, really, really doesn't want to sit around with these Bible geeks. Not when Kate is out there waiting to hear from him. We'd love to have you, Emma says as her cronies return one by one to the table, all of them smiling at him. Uh, sure. At least I'll get some fodder for Misty and I to laugh over tonight. He thinks. He starts to slide out of the corner booth to join their table when suddenly they all get up and move their junk into his. More room at a corner table, Emma offers by way of explanation. Alex is hemmed in on all sides. 
He looks at his watch as a friendly-looking girl beside him pushes her open Bible toward him. He starts to sweat. How long is this going to last? He asks. Oh, don't worry, says Emma. We never go over two hours. No, By the way, uh, if it sounded like someone was trying like trying to get out of a, a cell or something, nothing weird's going on over here. That's our three kids upstairs. Okay. <laughs> I never once stood in your way about anything. I always tried to keep up with your standards, Jay. You're probably 